2: everyone and welcome to another episode of breaking into cybersecurity. Thank you for joining us on another Friday. Today we have a special edition that will be focused specifically on incident response. For those individuals looking to get into incidents res- incident response, <laughs> we're going to go and do a deep dive with Jeff today. Um, Jeff, you want to introduce yourself and give a little bit about your background?
1: Hey, thanks, Chris. Sure, yeah. Uh, my name's Jeff Bollinger. I've been uh, doing incident response uh, my entire adult life. It's the only job that I've had, uh, I think, uh, since about 2000. I actually started working at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, around 1999. Uh, Y2K office morphed into IT security. And uh, yeah, since then, I've just been doing incident response at Cisco and other companies um, uh, for the last, well, 22 years now. So, yeah. Why did you... Choose incident response, or did it choose you <laughs> well um you know everybody has like their infosec origin story probably right what really got them into it um you know yeah. a lot of people that are the generation slightly before me or a little before me were like oh yeah morris worm right i i remember learning about this and being part of it and that got me got me hooked in i'm a little bit just a little bit past that i remember watching uh uh Good morning, America, one day uh, before school, uh, getting ready for school. And I remember seeing this thing about uh, the I love you virus, right, that went around, if you recall that one. Um, and that got so many people, right? Um, that was pretty fascinating. But uh, fast forward a bit, um, you know, I was at university, started getting my hands wet on things like Linux and networking. And uh, one day I had set up, a, I think it was like a Red Hat 5.2 server, I went to class, came back, and I couldn't log in. Uh, did some other stuff. Kind of poked around, realized that someone had compromised my uh, my server. Um, and it was thrilling. <laughs> to be honest, at first, I was uh I was offended. Uh, but then I was really excited. So the next thing that I did was I re- reinstalled everything. Uh, second time around, I put up a, a tripwire. Um, an old tool called Port Sentry, which I think I don't even think it exists anymore. Um, and I had it set to email me when anything got changed, went to class again, got an email during class and saw that someone had, had broken in and started tampering with files. So that kind of got me hooked big time because I could see that not only were people, you know, attacking me, but there's there are ways to detect that and to do something about it. And that kind of got me uh, really, really jazzed about it. So that plus all the other IT technology stuff at the time was, was thrilling. But really um, being hacked myself was kind of what got me most interested in doing the IR, uh, IR field. Okay. So
2: when you think about, like, the IR field, what's, like, what's the foundation that someone needs to have to be successful in the field?
1: Yeah, there's a lot uh, to unpack there. Mainly, there's there's two to, to reduce it down to the most, you know, bare minimum, right? There's, there's a psychology aspect and there's a technology aspect, right? Um, psychology is a lot more squishy, harder to define, but realistically around that, it's, You have to understand uh, motivations, right? Um, There's so many metaphors that that are so tired out in IR. You know, there's like the whole police detective metaphor, there's military, there's sports, all that kind of stuff. But the idea here really is, what is an attacker's motivation? Why are they doing something? You know, what's behind it? Um, Are they simply learning, you know, or are they actually trying to capitalize and and monetize, right? So understanding that kind of mindset is a really big piece uh, for for everybody. If you don't really understand why people are are doing this, why they're launching attacks, why they're developing malware, while they're bringing things down, you're not really going to be able to understand how to kind of detect against that, right? So that's really the big thing, uh, big thing for me is that mindset aspect. But otherwise, it's it's technology, right? Um, the best folks that I've worked with uh, in this field have been people who have really strong technology backgrounds. Like, uh, I've worked with very few people that were just pure security, right? They went and got a cybersecurity master's degree, and they've done cyber or whatever else, um, They, they, those folks tend to do really well in some areas. But when it gets down to the fundamentals of, well, you know, how did this packet tra- traverse the wire? Or why does Linux behave in this way? Or how can I hide commands in Windows, right? Those kinds of things often get left behind. So that the people that have the strongest skill sets, in my experience, have been those who have a deep technology background. A lot of the folks on my last team were XSys admins, most of them were excess admins, uh, you know, who have seen seen it all. Uh, a lot of networking folks who have been network administrators, a couple of DBAs, folks like that, um, and then, of course, development people, right, as well. So those tend to bring uh, bringing those really fundamental IT skills to the table are, are base level for me. I just don't see how you can do IR without understanding how operating systems work, how TCP IP works, right, how the internet, how the cloud works. Um, if you don't understand those things, it's going to be a lot harder for you to kind of push up the you know game.
2: So would you say that IR is even potentially uh, has an entry level role in it or it requires someone to already have experience in other fields before they can even consider
1: IR? No, I definitely don't think there are I do think that there are entry level fields I've I've worked with several people who don't have any advanced degrees right people who just kind of learned it on their own and the folks that learned it basically spent time in their house on their computers, hacking stuff watching tutorials. Going on YouTube, right? Looking at videos of things that, well, you used to be able to look at a lot more on there, but looking up uh you know, <laughs> looking up hacking videos, watching things, and setting it up and testing it yourself. The the folks that I that I found have the most impact, especially the entry-level folks, have spent time on their home networks setting up virtual machines and, and attacking them, you know, running port scans, understanding how that works, right? Um, the folks that I find who are most uh, at the entry level, who do with the best are those who have a, gen, a, a genuine interest in, in doing it and aren't so much focused on the outcome, but more on the journey of like, hey, this is fun, right? Uh, learning new things is fun. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a lot older now. I have a family. It's not it's not as easy for me to stay up all night like I used to and and, and start doing these practice things. But I know that a lot of folks have that ability to spend time reading and reading and reading and doing other uh, testing, right? So yes, there is a, a role for entry level, and I certainly. Uh, keep that in mind as I'm hiring people, of course, I don't necessarily gatekeep and say that you've got to have all this IT background. You have to have some knowledge and interest in IT. Right. Um, but honestly, if you understand how attacks work, how attackers think, um, then it comes natural just to figure out how to actually start doing the defensive side.
2: It sounds like having, having the curiosity, having the the ingenuity to create your home lab or a cloud lab, um, because now you can, create an environment within a a cloud service provider and you don't actually have to have the physical equipment anymore. Um, Although it's still, it's still handy. It feels nice to be able to plug everything together. Right. Um, But many companies are going straight to the cloud. So um, being able to to do that from scratch is helpful. Um, What, what do you look for on a, a resume from someone that is potentially entry-level as you look to, to hire in that area? Like outside of that curiosity that might be listed on there.
1: That's, I try to look for uh, experience with both the the red team side, the attack side and count the blue team side, right? So people are listing, listing off certain tools. Like I, I worked with this one person who had spent, A lot of time tailoring their uh, their Hilk installation, right? Which is you know Elasticsearch, Log Search, Kibana, and I forget what the H stands for, but basically it's a way of tying it all together, right? It's a free service, free sim that allows you to do stuff. People that list out tools like that, and when I interview them, if they can actually you know kind of speak with some kind of authority on how those work. Um, that says a lot to me because you don't just stumble across those kinds of things, right? You don't use that in your daily life. You know, a lot of people have, you know, Excel, PowerPoint, Word on their resume, right? Um, But if someone puts in, you know, InMap and really understands what InMap flags do, what, uh, you know, what the Lua scripts are part of, right? All that kind of stuff. Uh, The details around that, that for me is one of the key pieces is, okay, well, what tools are they familiar with? Um, And then of course, you know, what knowledge do they have on, on the attack side as well, right? Like, um, have they done anything on hack the box? Have they done other uh, areas where they understand how, you know, uh, you know, attacks work, right? Those are the kinds of things I look for clues in that to kind of show that they have an understanding of, you know, how someone would actually cause a breach, but then also, you know, what the outcome and the impact of that would be. So there's, there's clues that are in there based on the tooling that that folks list on their resume and, and other kind of, other kind of clues, but that's what I tend to look for.
2: So you mentioned both the red team and the blue team several times now. So it sounds like you really do need both that, both sides of that equation. Um, have you seen that, for example, using the MITRE ATT&CK framework and the MITRE DEFEND framework as being useful for individuals to kind of learn what what those TTPs are or uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the MITRE frameworks, right, that everyone was already using those frameworks. but They just didn't realize it. Right. And, and MITRE kind of came along and, and they formalized it, which is great. Right now, we all have a common uh, taxonomy that we can speak to. Right. Everyone understands, you know, now initial access, discovery, you know, persistence, all that kind of stuff. We already knew that we were doing that, but no one had, had come along and put it into a nice format. And not only that, but now you can actually map, you know, your capabilities and your tooling to that kind of thing, which is really cool. So yeah, studying that, uh, studying the framework, studying what's in there, um, the 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 tech uh, the techniques I should say uh, to start with are are incredibly important because largely every attack to a certain extent uh, follows at least one of those techniques. Right? Um, I always say that you know the attackers come in. You, there's there's two. Good ways to detect them. Uh, one's better than the other. The first one is on the initial access, right? Someone has to get into your network or you're into your environment, right? Otherwise, you know, wh- where's the intrusion, right? Um, but they also have to get out. There's no point in just logging in and, and cracking it, right? The idea is you're trying to do something with that, like you have an outcome or, or a, a business goal in the case of cybercrime, right? So um, there's also ways to discover that on the way out. So the exfilt- exfiltration stage. Um, but there's all that stuff in the middle in the matrix as well, which is really important. I, I think that. People are tend to bias towards the more interesting, difficult things, like uh, to detect like lateral movement or or persistence. Right, those can be those can can be difficult. But the reality is, if you're focusing on things like initial access, you know, putting most of your investments in that area, I think you're going to go a lot farther. Right. Uh, People tend to think the other stuff is more important, and it is important. I'm not I'm not downplaying it, but of course, if you can detect the initial access and or prevent it, even better you know you've you've already done the job so absolutely those are those are really good frameworks for understanding the fundamental principles of how attacks and defense work okay and then i i know
2: because i know it but what are the pros and cons of being in an incident response field compared to say something else
1: yeah i mean information security is a huge Area right. There's so many different areas inside of it. Uh, cryptography, PKI, you know, GRC, audit, all that kind of stuff. Right, it goes it goes all over the place, and it goes really really deep. Right. Um, I guess with IR having done that exclusively, um, I there's I guess there's a, a fair amount of both. Right. Uh, on one hand, uh, I'll start with the pros. Right. Uh, the pros are number one, it's fun. Uh, it's actually enjoyable, especially if you're in a kind of a cat and mouse scenario. Where you're actively chasing an attacker in the network, someone's already on, you know, dwelling, doing whatever they're doing. Uh, that's can be really fun and really exciting, right? That's the kind of that when those kinds of things happen, which are re- pretty rare, it seems. Uh, thankfully, um, it's you kind of forget time just flies past, and you kind of forget that you're at work, right? I kind of, I kind of love that because it's really fun. Um, also, we get to in the IR field, we get to explore a lot of different technologies, right? Um, I mean, just this week, right. Uh, you know, 12-year-old vulnerability uh, was, was finally publicly released, right? And so, like, we've all known about that for 12 years, that 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 daemon existed, but no one knew that the vulnerability was there. So having to understand vulnerabilities is also a nice pro as well, right? That we kind of, you know, get to understand things at a deeper level. Also, um, you know, in the IRS side, you have to understand a lot of the business aspects as well, you know, uh, which is good, Uh, uh kind of well, round you out. You know, not everyone can be all technical all the time, sometimes there's, there's business decisions that have to be made, right? Do we go public with what we found? Do we not go public? Do we, um, you know, and how do we craft this message, right? Or, or who do we involve to kind of deal with these responses? Also, sometimes you have to make a very difficult decision, right? Do we shut this access off? Do we wipe out the the server? Can we trust things? I think that question of trust also kind of gives you a lot of insight into how companies work and, you know, how the business process works and your role in that actually. Um, And there's a lot more, but on the con side, really, uh, the other part can be, it's, it's, it's hard, right. Uh, you know, it's such a, such a trite saying, but you know, uh, what do we say? Attacker has to be, uh, right. Every, uh, defenders have to be right every time. Attackers only have to be right once. Right. And I think that's the hard part about it, which is like, no matter how much you instrument things, no matter how much defense and depth you have, um, you know, attackers are going to get in and I look at it at two different ways, right? There's opportunistic and there's targeted, the targeted stuff, Pretty much game over. Right. I've never I've been involved in very few red team exercises where the red team actually didn't get in, didn't get domain admin or didn't get whatever. Right. They almost always win, um, which is great. Also kind of scary. Right. Um, But the idea here is that that's a targeted, well-funded attacker who has inside knowledge generally. Right. Um, But most of what we deal with on a day to day basis are opportunistic attacks. Oh, you left your MongoDB open you left this uh, security group open, you forgot to change this default credential, you haven't patched in however many years, right? These are opportunistic things that cause massive, massive trouble, right? So one of the cons can be kind of a, you know, anxiety around how can we ever get this fixed, right? The, the IR team informs your security architects, right? Security architects are meant to design secure solutions, right? But no secure solution is perfectly secure. There's always breaches. There's always issues. So I find the IR team has to influence that security architecture. And one of the cons here is that you don't always kind of get that. You don't always get what you want, right? Um, The business might decide, well, we'd rather not lock this down because we have business partners that need this thing. Or there's a feature that we really, really want to use to support our customers, even though it opens us up to... Uh, social engineering, right? That kind of stuff. So in that kind of, in that kind of, you know, being a pure security person who does only security, I'm obviously biased towards that. Um, but it can be frustrating at times when you know you see these attacks happening over and over again, and you know the way to to stop them, you just can't actually implement it because the business isn't isn't on the isn't on your side on that. So that can be kind of tough. The other thing is, um, you know, part of this job uh, is often on call, right? So there is a bit of that. Now, I haven't carried a pager in, you know, (laughs) 15 years or so. Um, And thankfully, I've been able to work at places where we've been able to build out, you know, follow the sun where, you know, I'm working during the daytime, my colleagues take across on the other side of the planet take over when I'm sleeping and vice versa. So that if you have that luxury, that's really nice. But even still, right, a major incident happens, it's all hands on deck, right? And so um, I won't, I will say that, the last two end of year holidays have been ruined due to uh, <laughs> due to attacks, uh, uh, solar winds uh, as well as uh, log 4j. those both yeah, messed up a lot of holidays, right? So that is a con. Uh, you know when you've been working hard all year and you're looking forward to that time off and uh, you know the bad guys don't give a crap about that. so that's that's kind of tough. Uh, but other than that, uh, I don't see a, a lot of cons under it. Uh, the, the, the pros outweigh the cons in that the times when you are working and it's exciting, it's really, really fun
2: okay yeah i I know that part of um being on call or um working through an incident for two months and you're really working every single day or um if you don't have to follow the sun model, you're potentially working sixteen hours a day um can be taxing for some um do do you rec- do you recommend um for individuals to at least test it out sometime during their career.
1: You mean just being an IR uh, incident responder? Yeah, I think it gives you invaluable um, uh, lessons that you might not get. In fact, I've, I've we've had a couple of I've had a couple opportunities to have people rotate into the team that were from say like the cryptography side or the architecture side, and it really does give them a viewpoint into what what we're dealing with, right? Um, and I think a lot of times it's. You know if you're not promoting the incidents that are happening and talking about what your team is doing, I think there can often be the 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 idea that everything's fine, right? We don't have to worry about it right why why are we investing so much more money in the security budget? Why are we doing this? Why are we making things harder um or seemingly harder um and I think that's a big part of it is that a lot of folks don't understand that attacks are happening all the time the ir team is busy every single day and things and people make poor decisions all the time right and i think that's one of the big pieces here that a lot of folks just don't tend to get so being in the ir field seeing what's happening on day-to-day basis seeing the kind of decisions people are making allowing you know uh an asperious mfa you know request to go through right these kinds of things they don't really understand i think a lot of uh, areas we just uh, let's just implement zero trust or let's just do BYOD or do whatever else without thinking about you know all the other underlying problems. So having that background in seeing what's happened, seeing what's being exploited, seeing how misconfigurations are leading to serious issues. Um, I think those are all things that allow us to kind of figure out how to have much, much better controls, change management, that kind of thing. So yeah, not just for security folks, but also for IT business operations people, I think it's a good idea to at least get your, to understand what we're dealing with on a, on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I think two questions spawned from um, some of the things you're saying. On one hand, how can we develop a pipeline for folks in the IR community? And then on the second hand, um, what is the IR process and how can we better prepare for it? Um, did you want to tackle one of those first?
1: <laughs> Let's see. IR process. I have to go way back to my my earliest early SANS training Preparation, identification, containment, eradication, uh, recovery, and lessons learned. That's the SANS version. There's also a NIST version, which is about the same thing, um, yeah. but it's a standard, right? So people tend to use that one more. Um, but really, uh, you know, the preparation and lessons learned, that's something for everybody, right? I mean, for sure, that's that's your business leaders, your management, you know, your other security staff, you know, how do we get ready in the event of something? Uh, also, when something does happen and we have an after-action review, how do we figure out to to prevent that for the next time right if we know they came in this way we should be able to prevent that using a better defense next time so that i think um are, are the parts where everyone kind of gets involved it's the identification detection um and recovery parts that are more kind of insulated inside of the ir team itself um so i think there's there's a bit less visibility into what we're doing when it comes to those areas which i do think you know other other folks in the business could benefit from that right uh, but that's essentially uh, the core pieces there. That you have, you know, at the beginning and at the end, you're, you're working with everybody inside of the team. Though that's when you're working on building out regular expressions to look for weird activity, uh, figuring out how to do automatic response, quicker responses, um, you know, uh, you know, automated responses, that kind of a thing. So I think that's there's there's that. But to ask your answer your other question around the pipeline, um, you know, oh, be- before we we'll well, go down the pipeline, I, yeah. I know one of the things
2: that um often gets talked about in the preparation stage uh, is the concept of tabletops and how tabletops help an organization prepare. Um, Have you conducted tabletops with executives uh, throughout your different organizations? And how how does it help an organization uh, really prepare for an incident?
1: yeah tabletops are a great uh a great thing i I'm fully supportive of that it. it does take a lot of work to build one out um especially to build one that's that's realistic because you can always say you know some kind of crazy scenario and oh we can't detect it right <laughs> or whatever but that's not really useful and I tend to try to tailor tabletops towards issues that i i can predict are going to happen or based on issues that have already happened right um and so those are the kinds of things that are absolutely uh they're eye opening to a lot of people because the idea here is you're not just dealing with with you know, jaded security folks like me, right, you're, you're dealing with people in PR who didn't really realize that they'd have to get up on Saturday and write out a, you know, a response to CNN, right, or mm-hmm. Ars Technica, uh, or uh, your legal team, right, uh, who are going to be getting questions, uh, you know, from customers, right, or, or whatever else, or, you um, you know, a lot of uh, customer assurance teams that uh, have that now, right? If you want to use our product, our company has to verify that you have all these security things in check. If you get, you know, know, publicly, you know, compromised, there's gonna be a lot more questions and people are gonna question whether or not they still trust your service, right? So bringing those things to there also, as you said, uh, you know, executive leadership as well, you know, it's the idea isn't necessarily to scare them, uh, right? Uh, Because I think that's not necessarily fruitful, but it is to kind of bring a realization that look, this could happen. You know and here's what we need to be prepared for if it does and you need to be prepared to, to be able to talk to the company to talk to the public and to be prepared for an answer right and here's what we can offer you in, during that time and that's where we look at our intern inside of ourselves and say what can we have you know how quickly can we get updates to our, our management staff how quickly can we get things recovered c- containment whatever else right i mean what would we do if say we can no longer chat anymore right we can't yeah. talk to each other we can't use you know, uh, Slack or Teams or Zoom or whatever, right? And internal problem? problems. <laughs> You're right, exactly. Yeah, having that's actually a huge thing is having that out-of-band communications. Um, I won't, you know, divulge my opsec here and say what we use but certainly we do have a way of doing that right and that's something that's a really important thing to establish with inside of your team is if you can't get to your own network for whatever reason right um, how would you communicate and you have to have that written down beforehand and I think a lot of folks before the tabletop might not have thought about that there's just oh well we have chat well, why don't we just use chat well chat doesn't work anymore right or you know, uh, everyone's laptop is now encrypted with ransomware and how are we going to deal with that, right? So I think those are the kinds of things that you definitely uh, have to be prepared for. And and like I said before, opening eyes is what those those exercises are best for. Not for freaking people out, but just letting them know, hey, if we don't take this seriously, here's where we could end up. So yeah, this, I love tabletops. They're fun. It's also a nice way to kind of run things run things through and see where you're not prepared. And that also gives you the ability to work more on that. Hey, we need to build this process out, make sure this team is aware, whatever. So yeah, they're they're crucial.
2: I remember uh, when I worked in South Florida, um, there's hurricane season and that means you have to prepare for a hurricane. And when we did just prior to a hurricane, the conversation of, well, we don't have any comms and all the servers in our building are potentially, they only have 16 hours of power. And if we don't have what services are down after 16 hours how quickly does our gas contract for our refueler uh, what's the SLA for them to come on site to deliver fuel, to keep those servers running. And it's all all the little things that people expect that are going to happen in the background that you don't think about like a phone tree, having a printed phone tree of who to call and what's the chain of command on site. If your CEO is not present and, who can go into the building when the sheriffs are there making sure that there's no looters, like all these things that people don't think about and it's something you have to to prepare for. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a great example. Or, or another one would be, uh, let's say, you know, you run a lot of virtual machines, right? Everything is run virtualized, right? VMware, whatever your, you know, your vendor of choice what if your your gold image has a vulnerability in it, right? Oh, we got ransomed. We have to reinstall everything. Well, you're reinstalling with the same vulnerability that led to the I- initial issue, right? So you have to be able to figure out how to work that kind of thing offline um, and just assume that you have nothing, right? So that's, that's a great, great point for sure. The physical stuff is definitely things that get overlooked but by all means, but for sure. That's, that's a huge one.
2: I mean, in Log4j, you, you had that exact same situation, right? Everyone's gold image had Log4j remnants in it. So now you have to rec- recreate a new gold image. And depending on the size of your organization, um, rebuilding that in all the different lines of business can take time. So, yeah, um, yeah it's something to consider. Uh, l- let's pivot back to um, developing a pipeline for for folks that are interested in it. Um, what are some of the ways that you use to to both um, attract people to IR and develop them throughout their life, their their career cycle um, to keep them growing? Because you don't want them to stagnate either.
1: Sure. Yeah. There's, as I said earlier, there's a, you know, there's a lot of you know areas inside the information security field that you can tend to focus on, but even inside of the incident response field, there's a there's a ton of of, of various areas, right? Like I've met people who are malware reversing experts, right? Um, and and there's a place for that, right? And so I think some people are drawn to that to that to be able to pull software apart reverse engineer it see how it works see how they led to the a certain thing um i i don't know about you but i've been to a lot of a lot of security conferences and sometimes my eyes glaze over when i'm seeing you know, push this register here and move this uh you know offset here and, and over time uh that that's not for me that's not really my area of expertise right but some people really enjoy that right and there's definitely a need for that absolutely and so one of the ways good could attract people is to show them that there's a lot of different areas to focus in, right? Maybe you really like computer networking, right? That's kind of my my area of expertise, right? Or maybe you like the malware reversing aspects, right? The idea here is to give people opportunities to be able to leverage their strengths. And honestly, you know, if someone were to want to join my team and say, "I want to spend, you know, uh, three days out of the week threat hunting," if they had a good plan. And they had some good deliverables and and that they could they could show demonstrate outcomes. I would definitely support that, right? I think that's totally fine. And that's the idea is to give people the opportunity to play to their strengths. And that's kind of what I look at. If if you've been a Windows sysadmin admin for the last 20 years or the last three years, right, um, you know, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna expect you to understand, you know, how the internal operating system works and also what is not normal? What, what looks unusual, right? If you see a, a Windows error code or something from Sysmon, right? How do you know, you know what that means? Can you explain to me why that's weird, right? So kind of looking at people's existing strengths and adapting that, um, people who are really maybe formerly red team are going to be expert responders because, oh, yeah, here's how I would compromise that. I would chain this together with this and I would you know look for this. So kind of basically opening it up and making it really broad and not just saying I only want pure incident response people, I really want a team made up of diverse backgrounds, diverse viewpoints, right? That gives you the ability, because let's face it, I mean, because things are so complicated uh, and so abstracted these days, I can't know everything and I can't expect my team to know everything, but I can't expect that my Windows expert is an expert, right? And I can expect that my Linux person is an expert, right? And, And those kinds of things. And so that's kind of the area that I look at when I'm looking at pipelining is, Who's done things that are relevant to the work? You know, who understands, you know, secure coding. Who understands operating systems? Those are the types of things that I look for. But also, as I'm building out the pipeline for people, it's like, hey, you know, maybe uh, you've got some experience, you know. Um, you know, running, if, you, if you're if you responsible for, say, keeping up an entire, you know, website, right, or, or network or whatever, an SRE, whatever kind of deal, you're already doing security, whether you know it or want to accept it, you know, confidentiality, integrity, availability. If you don't have availability, right, then you're not really doing your job. And availability is one of the cornerstones of what we do, right? And so I think that's a big thing there too. With people, a lot of folks don't really realize that they're really good at security uh, because they haven't been said you're a security person. And that's something that I think is, Something that people need to realize if you want to pivot to this area, chances are pretty high. You've already been doing it and you need to speak to that in your interview process or whatever else.
2: Well, uh, we've already went went to 30 minutes. Time just flew by. Um, I I know you're super busy, but uh, the last question I want to ask is if we had to wrap up all your years of experience into one piece of sage advice for someone following in your footsteps, what would that be?
1: Focus on what you enjoy doing. Spend your free time doing that. Uh, People that work the best tend to think of security as their hobby or or hacking as their hobby, but you can get paid to do your hobbies, right? Uh, So keep that in mind. And also don't forget that you have to market yourself and the work that you do. And that's a really important piece above all, which is don't hesitate to call out your achievements. Don't hesitate to say what you can do. Um, You know uh, if you're, the best advice I got one time was like, if you're on stage giving a talk at a conference, even if it's a small or large, doesn't matter. You're on that stage for a reason. Someone asked you to be there. You're, you know, something that other people don't know. And that's why you're on the stage. And that's kind of how I feel about this job too, is if you've made it into this area, you know, you know what you're doing and just focus on promoting yourself because that's how you're going to get, no one else is going to do it for you. You really got to promote yourself. And that's the big thing I would say.
2: Absolutely. Well, well, thank you very much Uh, for those of you following us on YouTube. If we didn't break YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button, then hit that notification button. So you see us next time. Those of you on LinkedIn, follow us on LinkedIn, Uh, follow myself, follow Jeff. Um, And then for those of you on podcasts, don't forget to share it with others. Um, Anyone interested in IT or cybersecurity, share it with them, because as Jeff described, Um, you can pivot over if you have an interest and if IR is a field that you want to go to, um, definitely very interesting. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming
1: on today. Thank you. It was great. Great chatting with you. In the
0: rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business